Good morning, Journey. We are in week number one of this sermon series that we're calling Shepherd Montana. And indeed, that is the town that I grew up in, uh, just outside of Billings. I will say this, I don't think because you grew up in Shepherd, it automatically qualifies you to be able to talk to people uh, about shepherding one another. But when I was 20 years old, I put my life in the hands of the Good Shepherd. He's everything to me. He has a lot that he wants to say about shepherding. And I want to do the best job that I can of representing him well today. I believe that if Jesus were here getting to talk to you directly, he would tell you that there's two things that he wants for every one of you that is a follower of him. He would say, one, he wants you to have a shepherd in your life. Someone that's looking out for you. And the second thing that he would want for you is that he would want you to become a shepherd in the life of another person. So here's the two questions over these next three weeks, and actually not even just these next three weeks, on into the future that I want you to be asking yourself regularly, do I have a shepherd? Do I have a shepherd in my life? And the second question is, am I shepherding other people? And maybe just to step back, because I'm just using this term shepherd, and you might be saying, what exactly, Bob, are you even talking about? Let me try to paint a picture for you of what I'm talking about when I say a shepherd. When I say a shepherd, I'm saying someone that really loves God, really knows God, and also really loves you and really knows you. Someone that knows the joys that you're experiencing in life, knows the pain that you're experiencing in life. Someone that knows the dreams that you have for your life. And someone that knows the doubts that you have maybe about your life or your faith. Someone that knows the areas of your life that you're winning, but they also know the areas of your life where you're sinning. They knew all those things across the spectrum and they love you anyway. They are there for you. A shepherd is someone that sees God's potential in you. Almost with supernatural, spiritual eyes, they can see what you could become if your life was fully surrendered to Jesus, if you just pushed all your chips to the middle of the table and said, I'm all in. I'm all in for Jesus. They can see the kingdom impact that you could have. It's that kind of person that actually is able to believe in you more than you even believe in yourself some days. A shepherd is someone who's willing to give sacrificially of their life for your sake. They give their time. They give their energy. They give their prayers. They give everything they have to help you realize your spiritual potential. A shepherd... Someone who is willing to look you in the eye and tell you the hard things. Someone who's willing to hold up the mirror to your life and show you maybe what you can't see. Maybe some of those blind spots in your life that everybody sees but you. You've got to have people like that. You've got to have people that will say to you, you got a booger in your nose. We need friends like that, don't we? They won't let us just walk around with a booger in our nose. They'll tell us about it. They'll get a Kleenex. They'll help us wipe it off. 
because we have boogers in our nose and we have boogers in our life and we need people that will point those out to us, but not only point them out, but then point us back to Jesus, the author of grace. A shepherd, maybe one of the best ways to say a shepherd is your 2 a.m. phone call. Who do you call when the wheels have come off? Who do you call when everything is falling down around you? In your marriage, in your relationships, in your family, in your finances? When life just feels like a mess, who's your 2 a.m. phone call? That's a shepherd. Jesus wants every one of us to have someone like that in our life. And he wants us to become that for somebody else. That is the heart of Jesus for us. That we would have that kind of consistent presence in our life. In preparing for this, I started to think just kind of across the landscape of my life in history. And I was so grateful to think about it, different seasons and different places that God put shepherds in my life that came in different forms and in different ways, but helped me nonetheless. Thinking about my mom. She just prayed for me from a little boy on. She sang the old rugged cross when I was laying in my bed. She would talk to me about what she believed God could do through my life. Even when I didn't want to hear it, I was like, mom, be quiet. I don't want to hear that. I just want to party with my friends. Stop talking like that. But she stayed consistent. Think about a friend of mine named Tide that I met when I went to college. He was just, he had just come to faith in Christ a couple months before I got connected to him. And he helped me to understand the grace of Jesus. And I surrendered my life for the very first time to follow Jesus. And he didn't know very much, but everything he had, he gave to me. He would meet with me. Everything he was learning, he shared with me and got me started in my relationship with God. Think about a man named Pat who sat with me on the side of a basketball court. I can picture it in my mind. Uh, you can't go there anymore because that gym collapsed this last year. And so it's not there in the same way anymore. But if I could have, I could have taken you to the exact spot where he sat there and said, I see a leader in you. I think you could be a leader in God's kingdom. And honestly, in my mind, I'm just thinking, Pat, you don't seem very smart right now because if you knew anything about my life, you know the things that are going on in my life. Why would you even say that? Why would God use somebody like me? But he saw something in me and he called it out and he led me toward that. I think about a shepherd named Tim in my life. As a young married man, he put his arm around me and he said, Bob, can I talk to you about your marriage? Sure, Tim. He's like, I don't see you loving and serving your wife. It seems like life is a lot about you. Hard things to hear. But someone that loved me enough to tell me the truth and to send my marriage in a very different direction. I'm so grateful for that shepherd. I think about a dear friend of mine named Kelly, who I've known for probably 10 or 15 years now, that even in this season of stepping into the lead role here at our church over the last four years, he said, Bob, you've got to develop your leadership. You've got to grow your leadership. And he didn't just tell me that. He came alongside me 
to help me do that. These are the things that you need to grow in. And he walked with me toward those things. I think about the counsel of our church, the men and women that sit over my life and shepherd me. How grateful I am for them, for their constant encouragement, even in my darkest days. And I I think about one of my favorite counsel. You're not gonna think that this was the favorite moment at a council meeting. But there was a council meeting where Mary Kay, and if you know Mary Kay, she looked across the table at me and she said, Bob, you need to put your big boy pants on and you need to lead in this area. And you know what you do when Mary Kay tells you that? You put your big boy pants on. That's what you do. I needed to hear that. Someone that was willing to see something in me and call me out and call me to greater things. Here's the problem, I believe, in the church. We don't have people like that. We don't have people like that that are walking with us on a consistent basis that really know the things that are happening with us. You know what that does to the heart of Jesus? It breaks it. It breaks his heart because that's what he wants for you. This is how Jesus defined the problem. Matthew chapter nine, starting in verse 36. Brian shared this last week. When he saw the crowds, meaning when Jesus saw the crowds, it says he had compassion on them. Come passion, with passion. And sometimes when we hear the word passion, we think like this exuberant emotion. That's not what passion means. Passion means pain and suffering. That's why we call the last days of Jesus, the passion of the Christ, the pain and suffering. What John is telling us is when Jesus looked out there and he saw people without a shepherd, it moved his heart. Their pain was in his heart because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. Here's his response. Then Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. There's not enough shepherds. But then he told us what to do. He said, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore to send out workers, send out shepherds into the harvest field. Compassion, their pain in his heart. If anyone doesn't have a shepherd, it breaks the heart of Jesus. Even if one person doesn't have a shepherd, Jesus told that parable, didn't he? You know the parable I'm talking about, that if you've got 100 sheep and 99 of them have a shepherd that's looking out for them, if there's even one, one that has gone outside the eyes of the shepherd, he's saying, church, you've got work to do. Get that one, get them back, get them under the watchful, loving arms and eyes of a shepherd. That's the heart of Jesus. And if Jesus cares that much about one, how much does he care about multitudes? Multitudes of us that don't have that kind of person in their life. I think he looks at someone like me and he looks at you and he says, we've got work to do. If the church is not going to be weak, if the church is going to reach its redemptive potential, we've got to get to the place where every person has a shepherd. And Jesus says, ask me. Would you ask me to raise up shepherds among you to go into the harvest? Friends, that's what this series is about. We're going to set the groundwork, but we're going to continue, not just for three weeks, on into the future until Jesus comes back. We're going to continue to ask that there would be shepherds in the life of every person until everyone 
has a shepherd. We're going to learn three things today. Looking at John 21, we're going to look at the heart of the shepherd, the cost of the shepherd, and the barriers of a shepherd. John 21, first, the heart of a shepherd. Let me give you a little context to John 21. This is after the resurrection of Jesus. Peter and some of the boys, some of the other disciples, they're sitting along the side of the Sea of Galilee. Peter raises his hand, says, guys, I'm going fishing. Some of the other guys say, I'm going with you. That sounds like a great idea. Let's go fishing. They fish the entire night. Morning is starting to come and they've caught zero, nothing, absolutely nothing. And as the light starts to break, the dawn starts to come. They can see that there's a figure over on the bench, over on the beach, not a bench, a beach. Maybe you're sitting on a bench. I don't know. Over on the beach. And this figure hollers out to them, hey, friends, haven't you any fish? It's Jesus. Even Jesus can be a little bit snarky sometimes, can't he? I love that. He says, throw your nets on the other side of the boat and you'll catch some fish. And so they did. And the haul was beyond anything they could imagine. 153 large fish. But it was more than that. That moment was a deja vu moment. This wasn't their first rodeo with this kind of a fishing night. This was what they remembered when Jesus called them to follow him, and specifically Peter. They hauled in all the fish. They got to the shore. Peter even jumped in. He couldn't even wait for the boat to get there. He had to swim there to get to the feet of Jesus. And when they get to the feet of Jesus, they find Jesus is sitting there. He's got a fire. He's got some food. And he's got a really, really important point to make. Verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And now sometimes people argue a little bit over what's the these that he's talking about. Some people think maybe he's talking about the other disciples. Is he asking Peter, do you love me more than these other guys? I think contextually that doesn't make near as much sense as it does that Jesus is actually looking at a pile of 153 flopping fish sitting there around the fire. And he's looking at Peter and he's asking him the question, Peter, do you love me more than these? Peter responds, yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, then take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? You just start to feel the weight of these questions on Peter. And the text tells us that Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. It doesn't take 
a lot of exegetical work to understand the main message that Jesus is trying to get Peter to understand, all of the other disciples to understand, and for us to understand. Peter, Jesus is saying to Peter, if you love me, love my people. If you want to show me that you love me, show me by loving the people. Shepherd my people. Tend my lambs. Look out for them. Because Peter, if you really love me, if your heart is beating for the things that my heart is beating for, you're going to love what I love. And Peter, I love people. So Peter, give your life to taking care of people. But Jesus has a question. Peter, do you love me more than these? Peter, do you love me more than these? Is there anything that you esteem greater than me? Peter, I realize these fish right here, this is your financial security. This is what you know. This is what you studied in college, fishing. This is what you were made to do. This is your reputation, This is what people think of when they think of you. But Jesus is saying to Peter, think about something different than these. Do you love me more than these? It's the question that Jesus had for Peter. But friends, I think that is the exact same question that Jesus would have for us. Do you love me more than these? The difference, the only difference in my mind is what's the these? What might it be in your life that you would love and value and esteem and give your time and energy to more than Jesus? What captures your attention and your life and your energy more than Jesus or more than loving what Jesus loves, loving people and caring for and shepherding people? Peter's, Jesus is saying to Peter, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to love people, there's some of the these that you're going to have to say no to. Peter, there's going to be a cost. To follow Jesus, there's a cost. To be a shepherd, there's a cost. And this is what I love about Jesus. As he calls Peter, as he calls anybody to follow him into this, he doesn't try to pull the wool over their eyes. You see what I did there? God, I thought it was going to go better at the 11 than the 9. I should have worked on my delivery. Jesus tells Peter, if you're going to follow me into this, there's going to be a cost. I'm not going to pull any punches. Verse 18, here's what Jesus tells him. He says, very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. He's talking to him about his death, what it's going to cost him to follow, but he doesn't hold back. Then he said to him, follow me. Jesus looks at Peter and says, come, follow me. I'm not going to promise you that it's going to be easy. It's going to be challenging. It's gonna be painful. There's gonna be suffering along the way. And oh yeah, by the way, Peter, 
You're gonna stretch out your arms just like my arms were stretched out and they're gonna take your life. But Jesus doesn't hesitate. He says, follow me into that. You know what I think that is? I think that's really bad marketing. If you're Jesus and you wanna get a lot of people to do something, is this what you tell them? It's gonna cost you everything. You're gonna have to lay down everything. That's what Jesus says. If anybody stands on a stage, if anybody shares a podcast that you're listening to, if writes a book that says anything different than that, they're not what Jesus calls us to. He calls us into a life of laying it down for him, surrendering to him. Jesus is not looking for fans that will stand at a distance and just applaud his example in life and the things that he did for us. He's got enough fans. Jesus wants followers that will walk with him into the places that he went, that would do the things that he did. People that won't just look at the crucifixion and just say, thank you. We should do that. But Jesus said, I want people that will look at the crucifixion and say, Jesus, I'm willing to be crucified with you. That's why the apostle Paul could say, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. This life isn't even mine anymore. And the life I live, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. People that really know what Jesus called them to know that they're giving up their life for him. That's the voice of Jesus in the scriptures. If you're hearing anything else that there's no cost and you're just thinking about what's in it for me, it's not the voice of Jesus. But sadly, many people, millions of Christians, I believe, think that is the message of Jesus. It's not. Jesus invites us into challenge, invites us into pain and suffering, invites us into being crucified with him. But you know what else he promises? He says, in the end, I promise you, it will be worth it. It'll be worth anything that you gave up for me. Because here's what Jesus sees. See, he's not just looking at your life in the tiny little microcosm of what's happening with you in this short little amount of time that you get to be here on this earth. He is looking at all of time at the same time. He sees eternity He knows what matters for all of eternity. And you know what in this world lasts forever? People. Just people. Everything else is gonna waste away. People are gonna last forever. And that's why Jesus can say, don't give your life to the these in this world. Give your life to people. You will not regret it. Shepherd People. That's why he can look Peter in the eye, even though he's calling him to a great cost. He's saying, shepherd my people, tend my lambs, take care of my sheep. I'm gonna press a little bit. I think for some of you, you've been sitting on the bench way too long. You need a Mary Kay in your life that just says, you know, you need to get your big boy pants on your big girl pants on. You need to step in and count the cost. Lay down your life to be willing to invest in the lives of others. 
and take Jesus up on his invitation. It wasn't just to Peter, it's to us. Do you love me? If you love me, feed my sheep. Take care of my lambs. I feel like I've just got to say this. As I've been praying for this message, I don't want you to hear this as a challenge from me or an invitation from me. I'm not that compelling. I've just prayed, God, would they hear another voice? Jesus, would they hear you? Would they know that it's not just Bob trying to ask them to do something, but it's the good shepherd himself, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords asking them, will you love my sheep? Will you love my sheep? Because here's the deal, friends. Not just me, but every one of you that is a follower of Jesus, you're gonna stand before him one day. I'm not gonna be there with you. And you're not gonna be there with me. But Jesus is gonna look at us and he's gonna ask us the question, did you love what I love? Did you give your life for the things that really mattered while you were on earth? Did you take care of my sheep? Did you feed my lambs? I want you to hear his voice because I want you to imagine that day that you stand before him. And I want that to go well for you. I want it to go well for me. I want him to look at all of us and say, well done, good and faithful servant. You loved the things that I've loved, but we've got to get off the bench. We've got to be shepherds of God's people. Lastly, I just want to talk a little bit about barriers to becoming a shepherd. And I had lots of things that I wanted to share, but I think in the context of this story, I just needed to limit it to one. Here's what I think can be happening in an internal conversation in the back of some of your minds. You're just thinking, not me. God can't use me. You've already made that decision. You've already disqualified yourself. He's talking to somebody else. He's not talking to me. This is why, friends, this story is so important because this story takes place in the context of the greatest failure of Peter. The greatest failure. You got, have you ever asked your question, like, why is Peter fishing right now? Jesus has been raised from the dead. Why is Peter fishing? Didn't, didn't he quit fishing a couple of years ago when Jesus invited him to follow him? From that day on, we never see Peter fishing again until now, until we see him fishing now. But why is he fishing now? Especially now. Peter, Jesus has risen from the dead. You saw the empty tomb, Peter, with your own eyes. Here's what I think is going on in Peter. Peter could not deny his own denial. He couldn't deny his own denial. Even the empty tomb in his mind couldn't erase the sound of that rooster, rooster crowing that reminded him three times, I denied that I even knew Jesus. He told me I would do it. I said, I wouldn't. Even if all of these guys fall away, I'll stand with you, Jesus. And Jesus said, no, you're gonna deny me. And I did it. Peter's out there fishing and I think he's wondering, could Jesus, would Jesus ever come back for someone like me? 
I believe some of you have probably wondered that same question. Could he? Would he? Would he be willing to come back? Do you think Peter's the only person on the planet that did the exact thing that they swore that they would never do? All of us have had the rooster crow in our life and the guilt sets in, the conviction sets in and it just makes us wanna live at a distance from God. He can't come back again. And so we go fishing. We go back to these. This is what I know. This is what comes naturally to me. I can't even imagine right now that God could do something supernatural in and through my life. I'm just gonna focus on these. Can Jesus ever come back for someone like that? That's why this story is so important because Jesus answers that question. He answers it for Peter and he answers it for people like you and me that peter out in their faith. That was funny too. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you. It's really bad when you have to tell people what's funny. Don't peter out. Don't peter out. Don't think that you are disqualified. You're not disqualified. And in fact, you know what I think made Peter one of the greatest shepherds ever? It's because of his massive failure that we all get to read about forever. He was etched. He was marked by the grace of God. He knew he didn't deserve it. He knew that he deserved Jesus to, to walk away and find somebody better than him. But Jesus came back to him. You know what made Peter a great shepherd? Is because he experienced so deeply the grace of God that he knew how to extend the grace of God to others. That's what makes a great shepherd. Not that you've never failed, but you've experienced the deep grace of God in the midst of your failure. You know who make really crappy shepherds? People that think they got it going on. I've got it all together. In fact, Jesus, you're kind of lucky that I'm on your team. There are people like that. They are terrible shepherds because they don't know how to extend the grace of God because they don't think they need it. Be a shepherd that knows the grace of God. This is what I love about the scriptures. From this story, we get to just turn a couple of pages moving past the book of John into the book of Acts, and we see the launching of the church. And we see the world turned upside down. And you know what the observation was of the world about the people that were turning everything upside down? Read the beginning of the book of, that book of Acts. It says they were unschooled, ordinary people. They didn't have any money. They didn't have any influence. They didn't have any political power. They weren't trying to get somebody to, to run for emperor of Rome. They had nothing. But what they did have was a Holy Spirit, God's Spirit that was poured out in their lives. And there were people that would just say yes to anything that the Spirit asked them to do. Unschooled and ordinary. But from God's perspective, anything but ordinary. They were extra 
ordinary, extraordinary, because they were willing to obey, radically obey anything that God would ask them to do. That's what God wants of us. We can be unschooled, ordinary people with absolute surrender to the lordship and the kingship of Jesus, and it can turn the world upside down. I wanna give you a picture of what I'm talking about when I'm talking about every person having a shepherd and every person becoming a shepherd. Let me just read a scripture from 2 Timothy, and then I'm gonna try to illustrate it with what I've got back here behind me. This is Paul writing a letter to Timothy. He says, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Grace, again, it's so important. Peter experienced it. Paul experienced it. Paul is telling Timothy, that's your strength. That's what you lean into. And then Paul says this. He says, the things you have heard me say, Timothy, in the presence of many witnesses. Paul taught a lot of people. He invested his life in the life of Timothy and others. But he said, Timothy, do this with what I've done. What you've seen me do in the presence of many witnesses, entrust that to reliable people. Everything that I've given you, everything I've shepherded you, invest it in the lives of others. Shepherd others in that way. And who will also be qualified to teach others. And the implication being, who will teach others? Who will teach others? I want you to think about this verse. And if this picture were the Apostle Paul, and this juice in here, say it's wine, but it's not, it's Martinelli's. This juice represents the grace of God, the grace of his message, the gospel message. And Paul is saying, Timothy, this is Timothy. Paul is saying, Timothy, you heard me. I poured that message into your life over and over and over again. But he's saying, don't let it stop there, Timothy. Don't let it stop there. The things that you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, give it away. Let it pour out of your life into the life of other people. Look for reliable men and women to invest in and invest in them in such a way that they have a vision and a picture to shepherd others. I got this all over my sweater last year. This is the picture of what we want to believe God for in our church. Paul, Timothy, reliable people, others. That we would all be here somewhere. That we would have a shepherd in our life. Someone that is looking out for us. Don't you want a person like that in your life? That 2 a.m. phone call? But friends, it doesn't stop there. Who are the people that you are investing in? that you are shepherding, that you are giving your life away to. I want those questions to haunt you. I want you to ask them over and over, do I have a shepherd? Could I name someone that is that 2 a.m. phone call, that says the hard things, that believes in me, trying to help me realize my redemptive potential? And secondly, the next question is, am I being a shepherd to others? Am I giving away what has been entrusted to me. That first verse that I shared with you, Jesus' heartbreaking that people didn't have shepherds. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. He says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to ask. 
I want you to ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers, to send out workers, to send out shepherds into the harvest field. Because Jesus would say, even if there's one, even if there's only one among us that doesn't have a shepherd, he would say, you've got work to do. Ask that God would raise up shepherds. That's what I'm gonna ask you to do. That's what I'm doing. Raise up shepherds. Begin to pray that God would do that. And here's the second thing that I want you to do. Would you pray that you would be an answer to that first prayer? Ask for laborers, ask for shepherds, yes. But also hold your life up to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and just say, God, if you are willing, here I am, send me. If you can take my life and use it in the life of another person, God, I am available to you. Here I am, send me. Ask for laborers and be willing to be a laborer. That's what we're gonna be about at our church. We've been about that and we're gonna get better at that. One of the things we, maybe a way that we say it sometimes, we wanna move from rows to circles. I mean, it's great to be here in rows, but circles is where our lives are changed. When we get eyeball to eyeball, we can't shepherd each other in rows because we don't know what's going on in our lives. We need to get into circles. Circles that we're calling journey communities. And every one of those circles needs shepherds. People that will say, I'm willing to look out for others. I love Jesus. And because I love him, I'm gonna love what he loves and I'm gonna shepherd his sheep. I wanna make an introduction for you. I'm gonna introduce a good friend of mine, Michelle Quigley. Um, feels like I took kind of a right turn there, <laughs> but it's not. Uh, Michelle is a recent hire of ours. You might've known that she did some of our first impressions stuff out in the lobby. Uh, most recently, we've hired Shepard, or <laughs> Michelle, Shepherd. Michelle as Take our it. connections <clears throat> pastor. Uh, her heartbeat is to eat, breathe, live, turning from rows to circles and making sure that everyone has a shepherd. And how do we build some of the strategies and systems to make that as easy as possible for people in this room to get into the kinds of shepherding relationships that we're talking about? This was a really good hire. This is going to be my claim to fame is that I got, <laughs> is that I got Michelle to come on no our pressure. staff. We love, we love her. <laughs> we absolutely love her. Uh, but Michelle, I know that your heart is uh, big for this, uh, yeah. like mine is. Can you just tell me a little bit like why this is exciting for you? Yeah. So there's so much to share, Bob. It's hard to know where to begin, but I think I'll just start by sharing a part of my story. So my husband and I have been here 12 years, but when we first um, moved here, we got married and two weeks later came to Bozeman and we did not know a soul, literally. We knew nobody. And um, my husband was enrolled to be a student at MSU and I was looking for work. And see, before that, I had come from working with a missions organization. I had been living most recently in South Africa. And so I knew what it felt like to have like community and deep connection. And my husband as well grew up in the same area and had a solid base of friendship and community. And so for us to come here and not know anyone was really, really hard. And we knew what we were missing. And so when we decided to check out Journey, we happened to come when they were on a weekend that they were doing a church-wide campaign. And so they had asked everyone and encouraged everyone, why don't you get in a group? Go deeper. You're going to get more out of this. And this is what we want for you. And so my husband and I knew this is something that we needed and wanted to do. And so we were nervous, but we randomly picked a Tuesday night that worked with our schedule and we just showed up. And 
you know, it started out meeting every other week. I mean, every other, every other week. Yes, that's right, every other week, twice a month. And sometimes it was a challenge to get there, but we're like, man, we committed and we knew the value of it. And so we showed up. And I am so glad that we did because some of those, those people became our family and we were able to go through challenging seasons of life. And we had those 2 a.m. calls, like, man, I'm in the hospital with one kid. Can you take care of another? Like we had our people um, and we were able to carry each other and, and support one another. And so when I look back, I am so thankful that we took that step of faith, that God knew the people that we needed in our lives. And I don't wanna paint a picture like it was all the better roses, like Bob and I talk about a lot. Like there was ebbing and flowing of people. Yep. There was hard conversations that had to be had. There was parental differences. There was just struggles that happened. But it was almost this biblical picture of what God talks about, like iron sharpening iron. Yeah. And it was us carrying one another's burdens. And it was such a beautiful thing. And truly journey, like I really, that is my desire for everyone in this group. Everyone that calls journey home um, and calls journey their church, we want you to have that opportunity for people in your lives. I want you to also know that I'm aware of some of you are like, well, that's great for you. This is not everyone's story. I'm aware that there are some people out there and I've actually heard it like, been there, done that, and it wasn't great. And I just wanna say, I know it can take time to find your people and your community, but it is worth it. The benefits far outweigh the cost. And so I just wanna encourage you guys to just step out, trust God, trust the process. I know it will be worth it. Awesome, thank you so much. And I, I wanna ask you as well though, like if, as we talk about asking the Lord that he would raise up yeah. shepherds and laborers, yeah. um, if people were experiencing God kind of tapping them uh, on the heart or the shoulder, wherever he, wherever he taps people. Wherever he taps. <laughs> but, uh, and they wanted to yeah. connect with what it might look like for them yeah. to be a shepherd around a journey community or one of those circles. How would, how would they do that? Yeah. So again, we want the opportunity for you to be shepherded and to be a shepherd. And so I would love to talk with anyone that's interested or has more questions um, I will be out to the right in the lobby and there's a connection corner. So I'll be out there willing to talk to anyone, take down your information and we'll connect um, and I can give you more details. I also wanna let people know that if you're watching online or maybe you just need to think about it and pray about it for a while, um, you can always fill out an online connect card and you can write connection or you can write shepherd and I will be in touch with you. And I just wanna say one last thing. I know the holiday season is full and it can be like, wow, if you're asking me to do something, do something between now and Christmas, like I'm out. So let's just take that off the table. That's not happening. Like this is all, we're gonna be launching and starting this and building this and this is gonna be something in the new year and we'd love for you to be a part of it. Awesome, thank you so much, Michelle. Would you pray? Yes, I would us? love to pray. God, thank you so much that you are the good shepherd and you are our ultimate example of what it looks like to be in community and live in community and to pour into others like this visual that we had. God, I thank you that you have called us to do that, to be in community with others and to pour into other people, God, and the joy that comes from that. God, I just pray that you would be stirring hearts. God, we, it's not if this is your will, this is your will. And I just pray that you would help every person in this room say, God, man, what is the season I'm in and what do I need? God, you asked us to pray that the harvest was plentiful, like Bob talked about in Matthew 9, and the, and the workers are few. God, would you raise up people that say, man, I can have a handful of people in my home I would love to pour into. God, we want to be about showing the world, especially in a season like this, what it means to carry one another and that they will know that we are Christians by our love. So God, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven through our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thanks for listening. 
We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net slash give. Thanks.